Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. We like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, we believe that God meets us as we gather together to worship him. Uh, whether we're here in the room or whether you're gathering with us online, uh, we believe that God meets us right where we are, right where we live. So let's pray to him as we begin. God, we are grateful to you that right now you are meeting here with us at the same time as you're meeting with people around the world who are worshiping you on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, in dozens of churches here right near us, in, uh, in hundreds of thousands of churches and gatherings all around the world, there are people who are lifting up our hearts to you, lifting up thanks, lifting up needs, uh, eager, God, eager to meet with the God who made us, the God who loves us, the God who has come to us in your son, Jesus Christ, so that we can know that the God of the universe is with us. Uh, please, today, would you open our hearts and minds to you by your Holy Spirit? Uh, would you open us up to each other uh, so we can be um, aware of the people around us and the needs around us? Uh, God, would you help us to connect um, our heart to your heart, we pray. Uh, use everything we do in this hour. Uh, use the songs that we sing and the prayers that we pray. Use the, the message that I bring later. And uh, even as we gather around uh, your table, Lord Jesus, would you use every part of this service uh, to help us to draw closer to you uh, so that we are ready to join you as you move out in love to everyone here in the world. We are grateful, God, for the chance to gather together today, for the chance to connect with you, uh, for the chance to to be aware of your presence with us right here where we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, if you're able, if you're interested, let's stand and let's sing as Doug and Mary lead us.
glad to be children of God, sons and daughters. Amen. Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, you who serve the Lord, you who serve in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Celebrate his lovely name with music. I know the greatness of the Lord, that our Lord is greater than any other God. Pray with me, would you? Lord, we do thank you that you are a good God, that your name is greater, that you are greater than any other God that has ever been or ever will be, Father. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to, to live in fear. I thank you for the music this morning and how it speaks to us, Father. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be afraid of anything that we're facing now or anything we may face in the future because we're not slaves to that anymore. We are your children. We are your sons and your daughters. Your blood flows through us. Lord, I, I thank you for gathering each one of us here today. For all the things we bring with us, Lord, you already knew. And so you have already prepared this morning and invited us in. I thank you for your sweet presence this morning here. That you are our glad to, to, to gather us together here on this, this beautiful morning, that it delights your heart, Lord, to see your children worshiping all in one place, and not just in this place, but across the globe, Lord. May we be a delight to you this morning with our worship. Lord, we have brought stuff with us. We know that. Some of it has been good this week. Some of our stuff has been kind of rough. But, Father, you know what it is, and I know that you're already working. I know that there are those who have health challenges right now, things that they're dealing with that they just they don't know where to turn. But you know, Father, and so we're asking for your guidance in their situation. Lord, people who are having relationship issues, and it looks like it's never going to resolve, that there's never going to be restoration. But, Lord, again, you are already working guide and direct and lead those into restored relationship. Lord, whatever the challenges, whatever, whatever the victories are, we thank you. We praise you in the midst of them, not knowing how they will turn out, but trusting that your hand is on each and every one. Father, I just ask that you'll be with the remainder of this service, that we would be open to hearing from you that as Pastor Rich brings the word you've given to him for today, that we would really, really hear it. Not just sort of pay attention, 
not just pass it off as just another message we've heard again, but Lord, that we would really hear it with our ears, with our minds, with our hearts, and that you would speak to each one of us right where we are. We thank you, Father, once again. You truly are a good Father who loves us beyond measure. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Take a few minutes as you're able and willing and, and comfortable and greet each other in the peace of the Lord. <laughs> I, I know I say it a lot. I'd, I'd rather have to calm you down from talking to each other than have to, uh, you know, talk to a room where nobody likes each other and, you know, doesn't want to be around each other or that kind of thing. So uh, hopefully you got one of these little uh, bulletin things when you came in. If not, I see some more back there on the table by the door. Uh, let you know what's going on this week and this morning and uh, got the links that are on the screen. They're also on that piece of paper. If you want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you, how we can pray for you or thank God with you or answer any questions you have. Uh, that's especially true for those of you who are watching us online because we can't bump into you like we just bumped into each other and catch up. So we would love to catch up with you. Let us know how you're doing and, and what's going on and how we can pray for you. And uh, if you're here in the room, you can grab one of those little green cards if you'd rather do it like with pencil and paper and uh, drop it in the offering box back there so we can follow up with you this week. And if you're giving today, you can drop it in there also or you can uh, give using the link on the screen and uh, give online. And, and uh, while you're giving, while you're thinking about giving, just a reminder that you can, uh, you can donate to the Habitat Fund uh, to help build the house that we're going to be uh, building this year with Habitat for Humanity. Uh, you can hit that little drop down if you're giving online and pick Habitat, or you can just write Habitat on your envelope if you're putting something in the box. And, uh, oh, yes, I, I just left that on the back there from last week as I was talking about, we were talking about running the race, and I was mentioning that I'm running the Chicago Marathon next week with, uh, with Team World Vision. So next Sunday, while you're here, I'll already be running, because I think, I don't remember now, I think the first people, the, like the people who are up front who might win, they, I think they start at 7.30, and then all the rest of us, they move up, and I think we start at 8 or something like that. Um, so I'll be, uh, I will still be running all through this service, and, uh, and then when the 10.30 service comes, I'll still be running all through that service, because uh, I'm not one of those who will be finishing in two hours and change, you know, it'll be, it'll be four something before I'm done. So anyway, uh, next week, be praying for me, please, while you're gathered together. Um, We'll, we'll, and Pastor Judy's uh, got a great message that she's planning uh, while she's here, and I'll have to catch, catch it later, because I don't think I'll be able to follow along live while I'm running down the streets of Chicago. I don't think that's going to work, but uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you for your prayers, and thanks to all of you who have donated for clean water uh, with World Vision. That's, that's why I'm doing it. So uh, today, is, um, today is World Communion Sunday, as uh, Pastor Judy uh, mentioned earlier. This is a day where uh, many churches, at least, take a moment to just remember that we're part of this global family. And uh, for some churches who don't celebrate communion every Sunday like we do, uh, this is a chance for them to, like, uh, to celebrate communion together as well and, uh, and to realize that when we gather at the table of Christ, we gather, it's a, it's, a, it's a big table. We gather with millions of people around the world in giving thanks to God for the love he's shown us in Jesus Christ and uh, that we are truly one in some way. That's, this idea of communion means like we are coming together. We are one. There's a unity that takes place between us and Christ and between us and each other. Uh, Jesus prayed in John 17, uh, right before he went to the cross, prayed for us to be one and said that that would be one of the things that would demonstrate to the world uh, that we are his disciples and that, that God truly had sent him, that his message was true, was the way that we Christians live together. 
and the ways we live with the people around us in the world. So, uh, so today we're, we're picking up on that theme uh, for the message, and uh, I'm going back to this scripture that we've looked at uh, several times. Took a break last week to talk about running and all that good stuff, but for the two weeks before that, we looked at this scripture from 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, said to these early followers of Jesus, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And we, we talked uh, like three weeks ago, I guess, about this idea that we're a holy nation and uh, that we are part of this, this we've got a, a higher allegiance than simply to our own country. It's a good thing to love your country um, and to participate as a citizen, to vote, as many of us are excited about voting. And uh, as you drive around, you see lots of people excited about voting, put signs in their yard and all of that. Um, that's a good thing to participate in our democracy, but uh, we have to kind of keep that in its rightful place, that our, we have a higher allegiance, our, our national, our, we're part of this holy nation. We've got this identity and this allegiance that, uh, that supersedes any national identity as being part of God's people. And, uh, and the week after that, we talked about uh, being this royal priesthood, uh, being these priests or bridges that can kind of bridge, be a bridge between God and other people and, be, and between people with each other. Um, and today, we're, we're looking more at this idea of us being uh, a people that have been called together. Uh, so he continues, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We have been brought together from all the different places we live into one family, into one body, the Bible says. Those are two metaphors that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in his letter to the Ephesians, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. This idea that you are welcomed into a family, adopted into God's family, um, Christians, you know, we've, we've always thought of God as our father, but I don't know if you're familiar that, uh, that Christians have always thought then of Jesus as like our older brother. Yeah, and we, of course, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and some of you take that very seriously because you don't have much connection with your biological family or your biological family was so bad you want nothing to do with them. It was toxic, it was painful, and you have found great uh, hope, great comfort in the fact that we are family and that we are brothers and sisters. And uh, I'm so glad for that. Um, for others of us, it's a bit of an adjustment, perhaps, because uh, our culture and sometimes even our church culture can, can uh, put so much emphasis on your family, your nuclear family, the, the, what goes on in your household. Like, you know, it's, that's your castle, and nobody better interfere, you know. That for us, it's more of a challenge to open ourselves up beyond just our family to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to people who need some extra brothers and sisters in their lives you know, who need some people to, uh, to welcome them around their table, welcome them into their lives. He says, this is what has happened for us. We have been adopted into God's family. We've been brought to him through Jesus Christ. And this involves people from around the world, people who are very different from you, maybe people very different from me, people who speak different languages, who have different cultures. They are our brothers and sisters. Uh, in, the, in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 5, there's this moment where uh, people are gathered around the throne singing this praise to Jesus. Um, if you read that chapter, he's, uh, John, as he's caught up in this vision, he hears that there's the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, 
this reference to Jesus. And then he looks and he sees a lamb looking like it's been slaughtered, already sacrificed at the altar. And this is Jesus who's given his life for us. And they sing, you are worthy because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. He says, you have purchased people from everywhere, from all people, all languages. The, the church of God around the world, it's, it's this multinational, multi-ethnic thing. And sometimes in our church congregations, we get to experience a little bit of that, right? Um, we are here in Valparaiso, Indiana, which is mostly lily white. And so our congregation reflects that for the most part, right? Um, but I'm so thankful that our congregation is not simply people who all look the same or sound the same or come from the same backgrounds and places. You know, we, we reflect our community fairly well. Um, we can always improve in that way. Uh, but that's a part of what it means to be the church. There are some people who live in um, um, more diverse areas where there um, are many more cultures and languages all intersecting uh, in the same neighborhoods and the same communities where they're trying to live that out as they're in their churches, which presents some unique challenges, right? Because you show up to the potluck and you don't recognize half of the foods, right? Because like, oh, what is that? I don't, it smells different, it looks different, and um, is this, do I eat this? Or is this something that, you know, what do I do with that? And, uh, and you know, people, especially when there's languages involved, right? There are churches where the pastor has to be bilingual. And I, I was just hearing somebody interviewed this last week or the week before. Um, they were talking about the pastor, the pastor himself gives this message in both English and Spanish for the congregation. Just says part in English, pauses, translates Spanish, doesn't. I can't imagine doing that. I've been in situations in other countries where I preached in English and someone else translated for me into the native language of the place where I was, um, which is interesting, having to pause every sentence or two uh, to let that happen. Um, but, you know, there are churches where when they put the words on the screen, you know, they put them up in English on one side and another language on the other side because there's folks from different languages all doing their best to sing together like we'll be singing together one day around the throne um, when we are all, when we see the reality of this played out in its fullness. There are some unique challenges to, um, to the church being this multi-ethnic, multinational, uh, diverse group of people. And this has been true ever since the beginning. Uh, the Apostle Paul, we're going to read, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. Many times I'm just grabbing little snippets from here and there. Today we're going to take a little bit of an extended look at two little bits from two of Paul's letters, uh, writing to a church in Corinth and a church in Ephesus, as he tries to help them, um, give them a, a frame of reference for how they're supposed to get along together, how they're supposed to live together, that I think are helpful for us today. And um, so I hope that just like, you know, a few weeks ago I was giving that picture of us you know, having this uh, allegiance to a, a higher nation than just our own and uh, being ambassadors for Christ or that metaphor of being a priest and a bridge. Um, or last week, the metaphor of running a race, you know. Today, the metaphor is, is of us being one family, uh, a global family. And, well, there's another metaphor that comes in, in here as well uh, that he talks about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, just as a body, though, you know, one, one body has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And so he, he says there, he mentions some of the, 
the differences that they were dealing with as they tried to get along there in Corinth, there were Jews and there were Gentiles who were used to looking at each other as, you know, if not enemies, then at least as people who didn't necessarily get along. You know, they, they couldn't do a meal together because, you know, the Jews had their kosher laws they had to follow, and, and the Gentiles did not. And in fact, many of the Gentile communities, that, that meat that they would have at the table had been sacrificed to some Roman deity. And so the Jews were like, oh, hey, we're not touching that food, you know. Never mind the fact that it's like pork or, you know, shellfish or something they couldn't eat anyway. And so there are all kinds of, you know, you know how important it is to be able to gather around a table with someone. And today it's no big deal, you know, eat at a restaurant, everybody orders their own thing, you know, with this, without that, and vegan options, and the whole deal, right? We can all just kind of have it our own way, but it wasn't, wasn't so much an option for them in that time. If they were going to have fellowship around the table, if they were going to do life together, this Jew and Gentile thing was a major problem. And slave or free, I mean, this was something that uh, when the church was getting this right in those early days, like, stunned their neighbors, like... How is it that these free people are, are hanging out and worshiping alongside and doing life with the slaves from their own household, from their neighbor's household? I mean, they're, they're up here and they're down there. And what are they? They're treating each other like equals. This doesn't make any sense. It was just mind-blowing, you know, for their neighbors. How does this work? People of different socioeconomic, you know, strata all getting along and all loving each other, being gracious, being generous, helping each other. He says, we are one body. The body is not made up of one part, but many parts. And then he addresses some of the issues that come up. He says, now if the foot should say, oh, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, oh, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body, right? He's talking about people who look at someone else in the body of Christ and say, oh, well, those are the real Christians, or those are the important people, and I'm not that, so I guess I'm not really needed here. I guess I'm not really part of the body. And he's like, no, that's ridiculous. You know, the body's made up of lots of different parts, and we're all needed. He says, if the, what does he say? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So he's, he's trying to get at this idea of, you know, we're united, we're unified, we're, we're one people, but we're all still very different from each other. And whether that's speaking of, like, you know, different cultures, different languages, different, you know, all of that, or whether that's just as simple as, like, you, one person's really good with people, and somebody else is, like, oh, not so good with people, but, man, they're great with the details, you know. And, and this other person's like, well, you know, they're not great with details, but they can really you know, paint a picture of the future we're headed for and really rally people to, uh, you know, to get behind this cause. And, you know, we all have different strengths. In the business world now, they're doing all this, you know, strengths finders kind of stuff and trying to help people understand what their strength is and play to your strengths and, and uh, you know, build a team to kind of shore up your weaknesses so that you, you focus on what you're good at. You've got other people focusing on what they're good at. And, and nobody, hopefully, is looking around saying like, oh, well, the because I'm not a pastor and I don't stand up front with a microphone, I guess I'm not you know, needed here or I'm not important here or something like that, right? We all have a role to play and we're all very, very different. And that's okay. That's a good thing. 
Yeah, when he, when he says if the whole body were an eye or the whole body were an ear, I, I can't help but picture like some of the cartoons that my kids watch, you know, where, where there's all kinds of goofy stuff that walks around. You know, so I've, I've got this picture of like a giant nose with like, you know, little cartoon arms and legs walking around, you know, bumping into things because he can't see where he's going, you know, or whatever. And he's just saying, look, the, the body wouldn't function right if all the pieces weren't in place and if people weren't all playing to their strength. If, if the, what if the, if the what, what was the one? If the foot... I'm not a hand. So if the foot tried to be a hand, you know, it's, well, have you ever tried writing with your toes? You know, some people do it. They don't have arms or hands, and so they learn to do all kinds of amazing things with their feet. They can drive and dress themselves and play the piano and all kinds of things with their toes, but I, I can't do that, right? It's a challenge. We need the hands doing the hand stuff, the feet doing the feet stuff, the eyes doing the eye stuff, you know, all the parts of the body doing, doing the things that they do. Many parts, one body. So some people feel like, it's kind of like they're down on themselves because they're not that other thing. And then he addresses the opposite problem. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. You know, some people have that opposite problem. They're like, I'm the important one, and we don't really need you. And he's saying, no, no, that doesn't work either, right? He says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you, speaking of the group, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. He says, it doesn't matter if you think you're less important than someone else. You're a vital part of the body of Christ. He, I, I kind of picture when he was going through all the, you know, the parts that uh, seemed to be weaker, indispensable, and I was thinking about those like, internal parts of our body that we don't see. But man, if one of them stops doing their job, you know, your kidneys stop working, you know it. Right? We've got somebody in our church right now dealing with, with kidney disease, and, and it's not good. Right? If, uh, if something in your gut doesn't work right, you, you know it. Right? There's all kinds of bits and pieces inside of me that I barely know the names for all of them, and I really don't know, I sure don't know how to fix them if something goes wrong. Thank God that some people do, you know. But man, if one of those that nobody, nobody sees it, doesn't get any credit, you know, it's just in there plugging away, doing its job, if it quits, I'm in trouble, right? We are all important. Each one of us is a part of the body of Christ. And so if we we have opportunities. If we see someone that we think, like, oh, they seem like they're feeling left out, we need to find a way to help them, like see themselves as essential and important and having a contribution to make, right? And we've got to guard against that sense that, like, uh, of superiority if you, if you lean in that direction, right? Each of us is a part. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it, which is why, you know, we as part of... Uh, uh, this global uh, body of Christ, when we see a disaster taking place, I had somebody contact me this last week, like, hey, are there people that are going down to Florida to help with the cleanup and help with all of that? And I had to try to find out and see if there was anybody going down there. We, we always encourage you to donate to Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, ncm.org, um, because they will funnel resources right to the local Nazarene churches in whatever part of the world the disaster happens to be. There are churches all over the place. And uh, the people that are right there can help. That's why when, when the war started in Ukraine, um, this most recent war uh, in Ukraine, that's why we encourage you to give 
through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries to the Ukraine uh, thing. And I'm sure that um, Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, if you go to that website, there's probably something there now. I know there's, there's kind of a general disaster relief fund you can give to that will get resources to those places. But, but we, we feel like, okay, they're suffering. We need to help. You know, there's something in us that says, ooh, yeah, we should, we should help. Is there a way that we can help? Is there a way that we can be a part of that? Because, because we're all, you know, one, one human family here. I should pause for just a second, because some of you might be thinking like, hey, wait a minute. No, the family is just for those who are Christians, right? Christians are family. We're adopted into the family of God. We, once you were not a people, now you're the people of God, right? And the Bible definitely uses the metaphor in that way uh, to say that we are the body of Christ. Those who are united with Christ are a part of his body. And, and those of us who trust in Christ, you know, we're adopted into his family. And so there's a sense you could say from Scripture, like, okay, we are children of God and they're not because they haven't yet trusted in Christ. They haven't joined the family. We'd love for them to, but they haven't yet. But then there are other parts of Scripture that talk about the fact that because we all are created by God, and every human being bears the image of God, that, that in some sense we are all family. Um, so both the, the family metaphor gets used in both of those ways in Scripture. And I just wanted to make that clear because there was a time where I got real hung up on that. And if anybody talked about like us all being children of God, I was like, oh, no, well, you know, only those of us who trust him. And then somebody pointed out to me those other places in Scripture and the other ways the metaphor gets used. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, fine, I got it. I'll quit being hung up on that now. So just a little sidebar in case I was catching any of you. All right. Obviously, we know we don't just serve other Christians, right? You know, when disaster strikes, when, when someone suffers, we all move, we all move to help. Um, all right. This idea of us being a part of God's family, a part of the body of Christ, this is a reality. And that's part of what he's pointing out to them there, you know, like, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it, whether you know it or not. When you trust in Christ, you are adopted into this family. You are a part of this body. You have responsibilities, and you have people around you who would love to be able to help if you would open yourself up to that help, right? This is a reality, and it's also a calling. We're also called to live this way. We're called to live differently now that we know that, like, oh, Okay, we're, we're family. I've got responsibilities to these brothers and sisters of mine. Oh, we're part of a body. I can't just think of myself as like wishing everyone was like me. And that's, that's where that whole, oh, I was going to say that, I forgot. When, when that whole, uh, you know, the eye saying to the hand or whatever, and these different parts saying like, um, you know, you're not like me, so you're not important or whatever. Um, I think that, that gets us sometimes, right? When, when we're with a group of people and there are people who are very different from us or see things very differently than we do, I think there's a part of us sometimes that just kind of wishes like, man, it'd be so much easier if you just saw things the way I did or if you just did things the way I want them done or if you just liked the same things I liked or if you just, you know, had the same priorities I have or something like that where we'd, we feel like life would be so much smoother. And I guess if you boiled it down, the thought in our head is things would be so much easier if you were just like me. But then anytime, I don't know if you've ever done this, anytime you actually think like, wait a minute, do I really want a bunch of people just like me walking around? <laughs> Do I want to have to interact with a bunch of people just like me? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Um, makes me grateful for the differences, you know. Like, I think of my, my wife Stacy, and, you know, we are different in so many ways, and I'm very grateful for that, you know. Uh, I'm very glad that she's not just like me. And I'm very glad that in this church that there are so many people who are not just like me. Um, there were, yeah, anyway, sorry. I'm going to give some examples, but I should just stop. Um, <laughs> We are called to recognize and to celebrate kind of the diversity of gifts that God gives and the, the diversity of personalities and the diversity of backgrounds and cultures, that these are good things that 
you know, can be for our good, um, that we don't have to chafe against and wish that those folks who are different from us would just be a little more like us. Instead, somehow, as the body of Christ, as the family of God, we're called to love people who are different than us in a way that, that moves us forward, that, that celebrates, that, that gets the good from all of that. And, uh, and yes, there are then, you know, with personalities, you know, whatever that trait is, there's the, the positive side of it, and then there's kind of like, eh, and then there tends to be this negative side of that as well. And so we, we are gracious with each other on the negatives, right? And we celebrate the positives, and we let people play to their strengths and don't try to squeeze everybody into the same, exact same mold. So when he's talking to this church at Ephesus, um, the Apostle Paul gets, gets pretty practical with him about some of these things. Um, so at, at the beginning of this uh, chapter, this is chapter 4, in verse 1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, because he's writing from prison, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You've got to make every effort because this doesn't just happen naturally, right? It doesn't just happen naturally that you, that you stay united. It takes you putting the effort into being humble and being gentle and being patient and bearing with one another in love. This is work that we have to do so that we can, be a, so we can see Jesus' prayer answered of us being united, keeping the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In verse 4, he says, There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord... One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So here again is the, the unity and the diversity. He's like, there's just one. He gets to go through all these ones, right? One, one body, one spirit, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Uh, but then as Christ has given his grace to each one of us, it looks different as the way it shows up in each of our lives. You know, the gifts that he gives us, the, the ways that his grace flows through us is going to look different. His grace will look different flowing through you than it will flowing through me, than it will flowing through you, right? It's going to take on the, the, the flavor, the character of you and your personality and your gifts and your strengths. This is why it says, and he quotes something in the Old Testament in one of the Psalms, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended? A little parenthetical. What does he ascended mean? Except he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So I think he's referring to like Christ coming down to us and then he ascends, you know, he, after he died and rose again, he ascended to the position of authority, the position of, of power there at God's right hand. Um, and he took captives. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of, of his God brought us into the kingdom of his dear son and gave his gifts to us, showered us with his, with his diverse gifts. So Christ himself, and then he lists some of them, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that, and why did he do that? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's like there's this body of Christ that we're a part of, 
And he wants us to, to grow up and to become mature, which happens as we each do our work. All these different parts of the body, as we each do our work, the body grows, the body matures. As we do the works of service that he has equipped us for, the body of Christ is built up. We, we, we reach unity. We become mature, looking like Jesus in the world. In verse 14, he says, Then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness of people in the deceitful scheming. And, and if you're anything like me, you're wondering, who's tossing these infants in the waves? Oh, this done, man, good grief. Infants tossed back and forth by the waves. He's mixing his metaphors all over the place. He's saying, we don't want to stay immature. We want to become mature. And we won't get tossed around. But, you know, this person has this idea. Oh, yeah, let's do that. And this person has this idea. Oh, yeah, let's do that. No, no, we'll, we'll have some maturity. Um, we'll understand who Christ is. And we'll, we'll know how to follow him. Instead, he says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's kind of a weird image there, uh, in part because I was just hearing about this a few weeks ago, that their idea of head uh, like back then, the way they, they understood anatomy and biology and all that a little differently, they knew that the head was essential, right? You, know, you chop somebody's head off, they die, right? And so the head's really important. You know, the air goes in there, the food goes in there. This is, this is essential for life. And they kind of viewed the head as being the one, that, the source of life for the whole body, which I guess in many respects it is, right? And, uh, and so there's this, this idea. So when they use the word head in Scripture, it usually is referring to like, Source, like in the Greek language, the, the idea of a head was the source. Um, not so much like head, like meaning authority or the person in charge or that kind of a thing, although it has those connotations too, especially when we're talking about Jesus. But, um, but this idea of the body of Christ is like, okay, Jesus is the source of our life, the source of our identity, of who we are. And so from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, it grows and builds itself up in love as each part, as each one of us. We do, we do the work. We speak the truth in love. We help the body to grow and mature. So then he gets, just as he ends this chapter, he lists like four or five things that we just specifically need to do. I guess he was probably seeing in that community. And I don't know, maybe some of these are present in your life. So like number one, he says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're all members of one body. He says, we can't be lying to each other. We've got to speak the truth to each other. Even if that truth is uncomfortable, sometimes we're gonna have to, we have to find a way to speak that truth in love. You know, make sure it's motivated by love, that it, the purpose is love, and that we're doing this for their good, not to hurt them. You know, but, but sometimes, because we're members of one body, we've got to speak the truth. We can't just let something fester or go unaddressed, because if it does, the body gets sick, right? So we've got to put off falsehood, speak truthfully to each other. And he says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. It's just kind of this way of saying, look, anger is a normal human response. It's a normal emotion. It's going to happen when something is done wrong. You know, you feel angry. That, that anger can motivate you to make a change, right? Uh, but in your anger, don't sin. You know, don't let that anger lead you to lash out in a way that's hurtful. Don't let that anger lead you to you know, push someone away that you need to be drawing close. There's all kinds of ways that anger can lead us to sin, and we've all experienced that. He says, don't do that. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. He's saying, you know, deal with whatever that is now. Don't just let that anger sit and fester and boil and cause you to explode days later. The third thing he says, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, 
doing something useful with their own hands so that they may have something to share with those in need. And apparently there were some folks in that community just like living off of others, just stealing from people, you know, not doing anything positive. And he's saying, look, not only do you need to stop stealing, because <laughs> that's not a good thing to steal from people, but you've got to like work not just to meet your own needs, but to be able to contribute to folks who have genuine need, who can't work, who, who need help. And then the fourth one, and I know this is one that touches each and every one of us, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If you were sitting here thinking like, oh, yeah, none of these have to do with me. I'm not stealing anything or whatever. And I'm working hard. Like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Stuff comes out of my mouth all the time. And is it helpful for building others up according to their needs? Am I just spouting off what I need to spout off, you know, and what makes me feel better? Am I just saying the first thing that comes into my mind? whether it's wholesome or unwholesome? Am I spreading talk about someone else behind their back, you know, that's not causing other people to think more highly of them, but it's causing others to think less of them? Am, am I saying things that are unwholesome, that are bad for the body, right? If it's wholesome, that means it's good for you, right? If it's unwholesome, that means it's rotten. It's no good for you. Maybe, maybe not rotten, maybe just junk, right? Like junk food. It's not exactly wholesome, right? You're pounding away those Cheetos and like, Are that, is that good for you? Eh, not bad for you. It's just, you know. He's saying, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Keep that, zip those lips, right? Don't, you're about to share that, that juicy little bit of something about somebody else. And, mm, 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 mm. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Stop it before it gets out. Only share those things that are helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If we could just get that one right, man, we Christians could change the whole trajectory of our nation, <laughs> of our community, if we just do that one. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. The, the Holy Spirit, God gives us his spirit who lives with us, guides us, strengthens us. And when the Holy Spirit's trying to lead us that way and we're saying, eh, when the Holy Spirit's trying to stop us from sharing that thing and we say, oh, that's too good, I just got to. We're grieving God's Holy Spirit. He's right there with us, and, and we're, we're giving him grief when we do that. And then he just says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. There's all these negative things to get rid of. And then positive things. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Right. There is a lot there, and we're not going to spend any more time on it because we're out of time today. But man... Uh, if we can live this way, if we can live up to the calling that we've received, to the reality that, that is true about us, that we are part of God's family, that we're part of the body of Christ, then well, how is it that it ended? Be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I mean, if we can live as the mature body of Christ here in the world, we can demonstrate God's grace to people who desperately need it. We can do God's work as God's people. It'd be a beautiful thing. I'm thankful for the ways I see this already lived out in this church. I'm excited for the ways that we'll continue to see that lived out. And I don't know about you, I've got ways to grow. I've got improvement to do. So this is not a message like, you know, there's a pastor up there saying, you all need to get this right. This is me listening to God's spirit, speaking through scripture, saying we need to get this right. I need to get this right. We're a part of this global family, this body of Christ. And uh, we're going to celebrate that together 
in, in just a moment. Uh, but first, let's pray. Uh, thank you, God. Thank you for reaching out to, to us right where we live. In whatever family we found ourselves, culture we found ourselves, whatever mess we might have found ourselves in, God, you reached out to us because you loved us, because you couldn't, uh, you couldn't bear to kind of do life without us. You, you wanted us in your family. I love that passage in Scripture. This, this brought you great pleasure to adopt us as your own kids. You were thrilled to embrace us. Thank you, God. Would you help the reality of that to sink into, into our hearts and into our minds today? That you are happy that we are your children. God, I pray you'd help us as we think about our brothers and sisters, both here in the room and, and around the world. Help us, God, to be led by your Holy Spirit as we consider the, uh, what that reality means for our lives. What responsibilities we might have toward you know, kids without clean water or people who are devastated by a natural disaster or people in our own community who don't have a home or don't have work. God, would you help us to be, um, to be moved by your spirit, to be led by you, to know how can, we, how can we honor each other? How can we serve each other? How can we do what will help build each other up? And certainly, God, would you, would you keep us from those things that might tear each other down. God, we as your church, as your people, we, we want to, to both practice and be known by, we want to be known as a people who build others up, who encourage, who help, who love, just as you have loved us. So God, we pray you'd help us by your Holy Spirit to live a life worthy of the calling we have received to live as your children, as the body of Christ here in the world, not immature, but, but each and every day growing more and more mature as we listen to each other, as we serve each other, as we grow as your kids. Thank you, God. Thank you that we get to celebrate today this, this uh, sacrament of Holy Communion. Uh, together with Christians around the world, we're offering to you today, God, this, these gifts of bread and juice and we pray that by your Spirit's presence with us, that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, remembering the great price that was paid. Lord Jesus, you, you purchased with your blood people from every tribe and tongue and nation. You have purchased us. We are bought and paid for. We are loved by you. So today, would you help us to, to just give ourselves back, <laughs> to offer you ourselves, our lives in return. God, as we do this, we, we recognize that we've got some mess that we're offering to you, some sin, some ways that we have not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves. And God, we confess our need of your mercy and grace. And we are so thankful that because of Jesus Christ, we can approach your throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That as we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just and forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, God, for being compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. 
you are good. And we are so grateful that you forgive our sins, that you make us new, that you, that you give us this, this fresh start where we become a new version of ourselves. God, you, you want to use our uniqueness and our personality and our strengths and our experiences, but you want to use them for good. So thank you, God, that we can place ourselves in your hands today and that we can live a different life, a good life as a part of the body of Christ. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, Doug and Mary are going to come lead us in one last song as we prepare to celebrate communion together. Uh, because this is World Communion Sunday, I thought maybe we could uh, recite together a creed that is probably being recited in many churches today. The Apostles' Creed, it's, it's the oldest statement of Christian faith that we have uh, after the scriptures. And uh, this is just kind of basic stuff uh, that as we come to the table of Christ, as we were talking about, you know, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is, this is the one faith. This is what we believe. So could we, uh, could we recite this together? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So the celebration of communion is open to everyone who's saying yes to Jesus, who's saying, yes, I believe that's true. I am so grateful that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that I could be a part of that communion of saints, so I could be part of the one holy Catholic church, uh, the, the Catholic just meaning like the whole, the whole church, the global church. Um, so as we sing, I'll be here with this basket of bread. We've got the, the little piece of bread, the gluten-free, the, the little individual wrapped things, and, and the, the cup of juice. As we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and return to your seats. Unless you'd rather not get that close, and you'd rather stay at your table. We've got the little cups there uh, that you can celebrate with as well. So let's give thanks, and let's celebrate the love that God's shown us in his son, Jesus Christ. Sorrow. 
Thank you, God, for meeting us here by your Holy Spirit so that we can experience afresh the the love and grace that you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Please fill us with the spirit of Christ today so that as we go from this place, as we go into our day, into our week, into our world, we might live in this world as your kids, as your family, as the body of Christ demonstrating your grace, doing your work for your glory and for the good of the world. We thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.